This gospel message is brought to you by the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Indeed, there is none like you. Unto you we have raised our worship and praise this morning. We ask that it shall be most acceptable unto you, our Father. At this moment, I ask, Lord, you will please feed your sheep, feed your lamb. Let there be meat, let there be milk, let there be water. Even where necessary, let there be bones. One thing I ask my Father is that you will feed us. And when we live here, we shall not be famished. We shall have strength to face the days ahead. And we shall do exploits for you in the name of the Lord Jesus. For all that have lifted their voices in worship, and those that led us on the instruments and in voices, we pray, Lord, that we shall continually be instruments of praise in your hand in the name of Jesus. We will not serve any other God. Only Jehovah, God of Israel, we shall serve. And his name shall be glorified in our lives. Thank you once again, Father. In Jesus' marvelous name, we have worshipped and prayed. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Thank you, priesthood. Hallelujah. Uh, you may please be seated. You may please be seated. Hallelujah. It's nice to see us all. I believe we've had a wonderful week. It shall get better in the name of the Lord. We are in the month of October 2018 by the special grace of God. I'm sure that's not a revelation to you. What is probably a revelation is that the theme, which is Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, is about to get more gripping and powerful in our lives. And so without any shadow of doubt, I believe with all my heart that you will do exploits. I think sometime last week we mentioned that it's either you do exploits or you are exploited. And you will not be exploited. <laughs> you won't even exploit others, but you will do exploits. And Christ shall be glorified in our lives. So as a form of a short introduction, if we just please read together the theme for the month of October, which is from the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32. Shall we please read together, if we may? Want to go. Those who do shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great. Shall we read the last phrase together? But, but the people who Shall we take that part one more time, please, if we may? Want to go? But the people... Who are those people? 
Aha, I'm glad to see your hand. I spent quite some time uh, looking at a few things in life. Um, and this is by form of introduction. And I tried to find out why some people succeed and why some don't. Um, and that quest has taken me very far and wide. It's been quite a few years since I've been encouraged, I believe, by the Spirit of the Lord to search and find out why is it that some, you know, they have an edge over others and some they seem not to find their way in life. And I've read quite a few biographies, um, whether autobiography or one written by other people, and the, the list is pretty long, and the range is wide, and you'd probably be surprised at some of the biographies that I read. Um, I've read about two of Billy Graham. I've read about three of Enoch Adeboye. I've read one by Robert Laden, who wrote about 12 generals in the kingdom. Has any one of us seen that book before? It's called God's Generals. Yeah, and he, he went through quite a long list from Smith Wigglesworth to Amy Semple McPherson, the lady that started the first square, and on and on. Twelve of them he listed there. Um, and then I've read another one that is called the Scots Worthies. And almost about 42 people were listed there, um, printed many years ago, and spoke about people you've never heard of who shook this nation. Even when you probably thought Pentecostalism is something new, people have expressed a lot of gifting of the Holy Spirit, even in times we didn't even imagine. You know, far in the um, uh, Isle of Sky, where I've been before, around poetry, there are people there who are having night vigils, night vigils of 7 to 6 a.m. in the morning, and they were farmers and cropters, uh, people who tend that sheep, and they were sold unto the Lord. They were slain in the spirit. So I've read all sorts of things. And so when anyone tries to say things as if some things are new, I just say, they're not new. I just open the books for them. I say, read this one. Uh, read about George Hamilton, read about uh, Wishart, great Scott, who did mighty things for the Lord. And all the things we are doing, they are actually a follow-on to what they did. There's nothing absolutely new that we're doing. And so it's, it's, it's nothing new. Um, but I didn't stop there. I kept reading. I, um, I've read the likes of Nelson Mandela. Um, I've read of um, uh, the biography of Margaret Thatcher. Um, I've read, going about two now, of Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, I know you chuckle, yeah. An interesting reading. A lot to learn from him. Surprise, surprise. A lot to learn from me. Um, and you better, you better beware. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, encouraged us to learn from as many sources as possible. In John chapter 10, verse 16. Sorry, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. He said, I send you forth as sheep amongst wolves. Be ye therefore as wise as serpents. Can you imagine that? Wise as what? Who is serpent? Satan. I'm not saying what is happening. Who is serpent? Satan. Be as wise as Satan and harmless as. In Luke chapter 17, he gave us a parable of the unfaithful manager who was very clever. And the Lord concluded and he said that 
the sons of this generation are wiser in their own generation than the sons of the kingdom. He said, learn of that guy. The guy said, I cannot dig, I cannot beg, but I can have a third way. Many of us, we don't even prepare not to beg. We don't prepare not to do hard labor, which is digging. But this man was clever. Jesus Christ said, and what Jesus told us is that do not do according to their ways, but learn from them. Because he mentioned that very clearly in Matthew chapter 23, Matthew 23 verses 2 and 3. He mentioned that very clearly when he was talking about the Pharisees. Matthew 23, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Verse 3, please. Therefore, somebody say, therefore. therefore. Whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their Learn from them. I once attended a leadership conference and the person opened by comparing during the 2016 election in the U.S. And the man nearly forecasted the winner because he said the man had some things right the way he was doing it. The other person did not have some things right. And of course he was right. So learn from everyone. Hallelujah. So after all my learning, I just quickly move on so that I can share what I had in mind. The Lord, I believe the Lord laid on my heart. So after all this searching, what are the two things that, or what are the things that came about with? As I've mentioned to you before, on a Wednesday Bible study, I said it all boils down to two factors. Do you remember those factors? They are still not changed. I've still been searching. They've not changed. What is the first factor? The first factor? No, that's the second one. What's the first factor? H factor, which is what? Humility. And the first time I noticed that was there was an election in faraway Nigeria, and there were two contestants in 1979. The one I started to win did not win. God spoke to me long, long after I got born again. He said, the one that won had the H factor. Do you know God can pick someone that is seemingly unqualified and place him above the person that is qualified because he has a humility factor? That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the second one. What do you call the second one again? Remind me. The G factor, the God factor. And so, please know it today. There is no success, whether secular or not secular, without the God factor. And when you read through the scripture, you see so many of that. In Isaiah chapter 45, Isaiah chapter 45, the Bible, verse 1, the Bible mentioned that Cyrus was called the anointed of God. He was an unbelieving king. Thus says the Lord to his anointed. Who anointed him? To Cyrus. He was an idol worshiper whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and lose. And when Nebuchadnezzar misbehaved, God said, I made it possible for you. So I'm going to punish you because you didn't recognize I made it possible. Even non-believers, any power, anyone we wield to a degree, if not into a great extent, there is a God factor behind it. Are you listening carefully to me? So we will talk today about exploit by the hand of God. Exploit by the hand of God. And when God intervenes in the affairs of men, there are two ways. I've tried to look for the third one, but I find out that everything can be accommodated in the two ways I will mention. Number one, it can be by the word of God. God can intervene in somebody's life by his word. In Psalm 107 verse 20, Psalm 170, Psalm 107 verse 20, he said he sends his words and uh, heals them and did what? And delivered them from their destruction. 
So God can send his word directly to intervene in the person's life. A prophetic utterance can come. We can be having a meeting like this and God can want to intervene in your situation and God can say, I will show you mercy. And so you will go to that interview, you mess the interview up and you still came out on top. That's what the word of God does. You agree with me? So it's got nothing to do with you. If you have any sense to know that's got nothing to do with you. It's all about God. And God can also send his word by commanding angels to help you. That's in the book of Psalms, verse, uh, chapter 91, Psalm 91, verse 11. He said he will give his angels, what? Charge over you. Jesus Christ one place said that if I needed a battalion or, or a whole host of angels, God can give them unto me. So by his word, God can command angels and say, angels, go and defend him. And I'm sure you will see more of angelic visitation. Also, God can use his word to command human beings. That's not where we're going today, just for completion. If you are taking notes so that you can meditate on this, and this can be a blessing unto you. God can also command human beings to help you. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9. I'd like to read that one so that you can see it clearly. He said, arise. Uh, anyone, do, do we know whom the scripture was talking about there? Elijah. Elijah, um, your Bible, Elijah starts from 1 Kings chapter 17, and I think it spans all the way to around 22 or thereabout. And then Elisha took over from chapter 2 of 2 Kings. So arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Let's read the last sentence together. One, two, go, if we may. Please join me. See... Isn't that instructive? Do you know that God commanded the employer to employ? <laughs> Do you know God commanded the government official to give you that paper? He does command. He will just speak. I've shared the story with you before. When I became born again as a young believer, I wanted to move from one part of the country to another. I, the impulse of the Lord so that I can grow as a believer. And I went to the office of the great big general in the, in the military. And um, as I walked in, and the spirit of the Lord, some of you have heard the story before. As I walked in, I didn't know what to say. The spirit of the Lord said, just tell you, what am I going to say? And the man sat down there. I made my request. I said, please transfer me from one part of the country onto another. The, of a document which I signed when I took that job that I will not seek for transfer. Because the other part of the country is deplete with professionals to work there, and everybody wants to gravitate to where the money is. But he said no. And the man sat down there. God commanded him. He was arguing with himself. I will do it. I can't do it. And the Bible said, the, the word of the, if I practically the Bible, the word of the Lord said, I should shush. And I kept quiet. And so the, everything played out. He was hearing God. He was hearing himself. The man said, I give it to you. God can command by his word. But today, we want to talk about God can intervene by his hand. And believe you me, that is one area that we try or we tend rather to underplay more than we should. The contact intervention, I call it, of God is often overlooked and underestimated. When the hand of God is involved, there is little or nothing that can be done to slow or resist whatever the Lord wants done. Did you get that one? I read it for emphasis. 
when the contact intervention, when God places his hand, not just sends his word, when he places his hand upon somebody. Now, all this things happen by the spirit of the Lord. They happen by the presence of the Lord. So, if you are, you know, if you are predisposed to teaching and you want to break things into pieces, I factor all those ones in whether the word or the hand, the presence and the spirit of the Lord is involved. Okay? But when the hand of the Lord is there, you can't push his hand away. If God says, I will grab this person and lift him up, nobody can stop it. You may resist the word for a while. You can't resist the hand. That's why when you are seeking something from the Lord, say, Lord, place your hand upon me. The Bible talks about the hand of the Lord is powerful. There's nothing the hand of the Lord can do. And many a times, we'll probably come to that later, we need to be very careful when we ask for the hand of the Lord. But when God's hand rests on a person, it's a totally different story altogether. Our test is taken from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. If you put that on the screen, please, if you may. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Are you following me, church? Are you sure? So we're talking about what today? The, the hand of God. The contact intervention. Hallelujah. What does it say in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 7 and 8? Shall we please read together so as to keep you engaged with me? One, two, go. Furthermore. If it pleases the king, let us be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. Before you go on, go back there, please. I may, I may miss that one. Take note, the request of this man. You know the man? Who was the man? Okay, and he was talking to king that was on the throne at that time. His name, Tazegzi, but that's not important at this time. That they must permit me, they must permit me. Are you hearing that? <laughs> that the word? The word? Verse 8. So take note of that. Verse 8, please. What does it say? And uh, to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he, what, stop there again, that give me timber. The citadel which pertains to the temple. Let's keep reading, please. For the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. <laughs> and the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Wow. The king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. I'll quickly tell you three things that happens, or three things that happen when the hand or the good hand of God is upon a person or is upon you. Number one, your status becomes irrelevant. When the hand of God is upon you, your status is irrelevant. Your status does not matter. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible said that when they saw the ignorant apostles, they took knowledge that they have been with Jesus. The hand of God was upon them, and whether they were schooled or not schooled, whether they were fishermen or they were professors of New Testament, they have New Testament at that time, at Oxford or whatever, it did not matter anymore. When the hand of God is upon you, your status is irrelevant. It's relevant your background. It's relevant the mistakes you have made. It's relevant your present circumstance. I hope you will digest that fact. 
That means that all my weaknesses will be made up for because of the hand of God. Many of you, you are working too hard to make sure that you don't have any flaws. It's good to try, but sometimes it's better to allow God to walk through your weakness. <laughs> it's better. Because he made it known unto Paul the Apostle. He said, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. It's good to go to the school of elocution so that you can speak better. I try to. But in spite of your not speaking as well as you would love to speak, God can still do mighty things through you. It's good to appear nice and sharp. But in spite of the fact that the only shoe you have has got holes in it, God can still do mighty miracles. Are you listening to me? It's good to have the best of educations and the best of schools. Many of you are regretting, I wish I attended uh, Eton College or King's College in Lagos or Achimota in Ghana or whatever big schools that are outside there. Or you have your university education at Yale or Cornell or wherever they do. But you did not. You have it in one bush school somewhere. It still did not matter. Are you listening to me? Oh, I hope I'm connecting with you. It does not matter. Your past does not matter. God can take the drag of this world and lift them to high places. Stop wishing things that could have been that why not. All you need is the hand of God upon you. And all the stories that you wish will have been one way or another, automatically God makes up for your weakness. That's why it's God. You wish you came from a home that is so settled and there were no problems there at all, but you did not. It does not matter. Many never knew their mothers. Many never knew their dads. It does not matter. What matters is the hand of God. Somebody said the hand of God. And when their hand rests upon you, you will do exploits. Saul was of a good pedigree. David was of a lesser pedigree. Because his family was not even known. When David did the conquest of Goliath, Saul asked him, he said, who is your father? When they start asking, who is your father? You know, something is not right. Who is your father? And who man is they know how to rub it in? And you yourself, you know, you've been trying to hide the fact that the father is kind of real father. And then they rubbed it in. But God reminded David later on 2 Samuel 7 verse 8. 2 Samuel verse 8. I want us to read that one as well. I'll put it on the screen for me, please. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 8. Okay? 7, 8. 7, 8. Not 8, 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 8. Okay? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. From following the sheep to become ruler over the people. His background was irrelevant. So if your background is irrelevant, what should you do? Psalm 123, verse 3. That's what you should do. Psalm 23, let's start from verse 2. That may be enough. We need to walk. I need a lot of Bible verses today. Upstairs, is your computer processor getting slow now? Behold, as the eyes of the servant look to the hand of their, as the eyes of a maid 
to the hand of her. So our eyes look to the Lord, our God, until... Don't look at your past. Don't look at your present. Look unto the hand of God. And that hand will help you. That should settle it for you. You agree with me? Point number two. When the good hand of God is upon you, you will be clothed with unusual boldness and strength. When the hand of God is upon you, you will be clothed with unusual boldness and strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If there's one thing you want more from God, or if there's one prayer I want to pray for the church in our time, one thing, do you know that's one thing I will pray for? Any guess? Boldness. Say it confidently. Say it boldly. What will I pray for? <laughs> Say it boldly. That's what we need. All these things that are happening to the church is because we suffered from Acts chapter 4, verse 28 syndrome. When the apostles were threatened and they were going to run into their shells, they've just done miracles. We have done not many miracles. And yet, the enemy made them afraid. You will be afraid no more. We need boldness in church. We need plenty of boldness. Those of you that have gone to evangelize, you know how your feet were shaking. How your knees were knocking. But boldness is coming. And it will come when the hand of the Lord rests upon us. We shall do mighty exploits. Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. The man showed clearly that he was bold. In fact, one of the things he did, Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Verse 2, stay there. The man committed a crime that is worthy of capital punishment. The way it works in those days is that you, are, you don't own yourself and you don't have entitlement to show your emotion. There are particular appearance you must have before the king. You get before the queen, your courteous behavior, your half smile, you can't laugh there, you can't feel sorrowful there. You don't own yourself. You serve me the way you should serve me. And it is written in books the way you should serve me. And if you make that mistake, your head goes off. And yet this man had the hand of God upon him. The hand of God did not come upon him in verse 8. It came upon him right from the moment he heard that there was a problem in his hometown. God's hand will come upon you. Amen. I said, the hand of the Lord will come upon us. Amen. And the man acted very boldly. He did things that he was not supposed to have done. It was very obvious God was with him. Uh, for completion's sake, take note of it. When God's hand is upon you, it's reassuring. It calms you down. Is reassuring. Many times, all our shaky, shaky, worry, worry is because all we need is just that gentle part from the Lord. Many times, you know, as fathers in homes or as husbands, either our fathers or whatever, what happens, you know, many times, all it takes is simply for their presence in the house to make things easier. God's hand also impacts strength, not only reassuring, and also guides so that you don't make mistakes. Number three, very quickly, 
that you can add First Kings chapter 18, 46, for completion, First Kings chapter 18, 46, the hand of God was upon Elijah and he overran the chariot. You know that story very well. Number three, finally, when the good hand of God is on you, now this is the big one, God calls the shot. If you don't want God to call the shot in your life, please don't ask for his good hand. Once God's hand is there, he's in control, he's in charge. You are not. Amen? <laughs> so before we start praying, you need to be aware. And there are four rules that you must know. That might my, my be more, but those are the ones I could just think of. Four rules that you must be aware of. Aware of. Number one. When God calls the shot, you will need to know that you must choose his hand at all times. And I will explain myself. You can't say, for this one, let your hand move. For this one, don't let your hand move. His hand is there for good, and he does as he wills. In First Chronicles chapter, uh, I wrote that down, 21, 13. I don't know that one off where. First Chronicles 21, verse 13. It was an interesting story there. Are you there? Nobody like you, Lord. That's what you're showing me there. All right, that's fine. And David said to God, I am in great distress. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. Did you get that? Are you sure? Are you sure? Anytime God gives you the option, even when he does give you the option, whatever you have done, you've made a mistake, you've sinned, whatever you have done, always say, Lord, don't hand me over to human beings. Don't hand me over. I always pray that. Whatever you want to do with me, do. If you want to kill me, kill me. If you want to maim me, maim me, but don't hand me to human beings. What of these that you understand that? You understand that? It's the worst thing that can human beings. And the dividing line, look at the Bible verse there. Please, you don't need my face on the screen. You can see me. Look at the Bible verse there. Why did the man choose the hand of God over the hand of man? One, two, the third line, last two words there. For his Human beings are merciless. When they have you on their foot, they keep it there. <laughs> when it is God, your half cry is enough for him to take up the foot. Not only will he take up the foot, he will pick you up. Not only will he pick you up, he will embrace you. It might look hard that you are falling to the hand of God. But it's your best choice. So, Lord, let your hand be upon me. It may block some things for you. Say, let your will be done anyhow. Because your worst punishment is better than the best punishment from the humans. So, that's rule number one. Before we start praying, he calls the shot. And part of calling the shot is that it's not a part-time hand. It's a full-time hand upon you. Somebody said, I'm ready. 
three people are ready. By the time I do rule number two, maybe four people will be ready. Rule number two, don't walk against his hand. Don't work against his hand. If there's one, if there are two people you must study simultaneously and compare and contrast, guess who? Saul and David. They are just exact opposites. Almost in everything. When David was saying, do not hand me over unto man, you know the attitude of Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15? From another angle of the second rule this time, the man was asked to go and kill the Amalekites. He calculated in his head and was working against God. You are just an instrumental. It's God that said, annihilate them. By that time, forget about our constant rule. I mentioned that to you last week. Forget about our modern day rules. The Israelites were the most decent of all the wild tribes in those days. And so whatever you read in the Old Testament that looked so shocking unto you, it was a piece of cake compared to all the, uh, the evil that those people were doing. And that's why God grew angry with some of them when they were copying their ways. It was it Manasseh that took his children and passed them through the fire? That's what they did. Was this one king that went to war, and because the king was losing the war, you remember that? He took his first son, firstborn son, you remember? Put, took him onto the wall and slaughtered him as a sacrifice. Those were the people that Israelites were living amongst. So when God said, I'm doing them a lot of favor by you annihilating them, by you removing them from I'm doing them even greater favor because their lives are too wretched and too wicked. But Saul was wiser. Now, what's your whole lesson there? There are some times that God resists some people. Don't go and start rehabilitating them. And God will let you know. Because there was a time that the same Paul, the apostle, commanded that a man become blind. And because he knew it was by the Spirit of the Lord, he was not having a pity party for that person because he knew it was from the Lord. Eventually, the man's eyes were opened again in Acts chapter 13. Don't walk against his hand. Can I hear you men onto that one? If the Lord asks you to detach from someone, detach from the person, he knows what he's doing. You can't be kinder than God. You can't be wiser than God. He sees what you don't see. He knows what you don't see. He knows what you don't know. Some of those things you need to be sure is God. Anyway, I, I agree with that so that we don't misapply them. But if you are sure and you are sure and the Lord confirms to your heart, pull back. It might be for their own advantage. Even sometimes withdrawing some little benefits from children might be part of the plan of God for them through you. So this is the way I want you to go. I'm not going that way. This is the consequences for your action or inaction. And it's all from God. What's number one rule? If you must have God call the shot because of his hand upon you, number one rule. Number two. Number three. Never forget who is in charge. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 20, verse 10. Moses did not get to the promised land because of that. He forgot who was in charge. Numbers 20, verse 10. He said, must we bring out water? Ah, God said, when, did he, when does it become we bringing out water? I thought it was me, God. <laughs> the, man, the man missed it. 
And Moses and Aaron gathered. May, but you don't have followers that will push you out of God's blessing. Oh, you should pray for pastors and leaders, house leaders, whoever, whoever. Her cases I'm handling at the moment, they're pressing somebody so hard. You know that it has to take the grace of God for this person not to flip. And those that were doing, they were doing it purposely in their own calculation out of a good heart. You know, sometimes we want to save God. The last time I checked, God is our Savior. We are not His Savior. There are some people trying to save His church, trying to save His kingdom. That's why we don't fight for our God. Our God fights for us. That's the difference between us and all these other fake religions. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he, Moses, said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Ah. Verse 11. The word of the Lord came to him. Verse 11. Verse 11. Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice and the rest of it. And then God corrected him later on. You know the story. Hallelujah. Please don't forget who is calling the shot. The error of the nine in Luke 17 is because they didn't go back to give glory to God. The same thing with Nebuchadnezzar. Finally, rule number four. Rule number four. And this is a very funny one. Stay calm and enjoy the ride. <laughs> when God's hand is upon you, what should you do? And do what? I'm not saying the ride will feel good. But still enjoy it. I discovered that in Mark chapter 4, beginning from around verse 35, when the Lord Jesus Christ um, calmed the raging sea, you remember the story? All right. And so when the Lord was there, and the ship was being tossed to and fro, and the, and the Lord was saying, because I'm in the ship, you should know what, what Jesus was saying is, that, let it be an experience for you, that we were once in a, in a ship that was tossed to and fro, we know we can't die because the Lord is there. Let, so you know some of the things we go through in life, they're supposed to be part of our resume, where we'll be able to say, I'm a survivor of this. But most of the time, we are fretting through it all. Some of those excitements that the apostles missed, many people now, they pay money to go to adventure centers to go and experience them. Instead of them, yeah, we, we, we did. Chessington World of Adventures, 1996 or so, around that, no, maybe 99. We went to Chessington World of Adventure, and exactly... That swinging shape like that, which simulates, a, you've been there before. You've seen it before. You are very wise. <laughs> because we sat on it, and there were tongues on that day. Tongues everywhere. People pray. Ah. That was the last ride somebody took out of that team ever again in that, that life. It was a great error. We should not have started there. But our problem was that nothing could happen to us. Why were we afraid? But just the feeling of it overcame the sense that we should know that we are safe. And many things we go through in life, they are like that. When the hand of God is upon you, it might be rocky. But please, will you believe for once that you are safe? Because there was a churn in our tummy. The thing would just go. And it was in a fashion. If you've been on it before, 
Many in this room, I think you've only seen it. <laughs> Very wise. It will start gently. You enjoy it. Start gently. And then it increases a little bit more. Until it's almost in the vertical. And it drops you. Then every blood will drain from your head. But you know for sure they will have to stop it at some stage. How many of you have tried the Pharaoh's revenge before? The one that turns your head upside down. Oh, I've been on some of those things before. Yeah, wow. I was somewhere a few months ago. I didn't go anywhere right again. I said, ah, one can really age, you know. <laughs> ah, Pharaoh's revenge. The thing would just take you like that. If you think you're enjoying the ride, it would then throw your head down like that. There are some that you go through dark tunnels. All I'm saying is that all through those things, you know you are safe. Accident rate is about one in two million. And so you're not going to be part of that bad statistics. And yet, we fear. Will you please rest knowing that God's hand will see that you land safely? <laughs> those of us are man-made. I agree. I only use them as an example. But at the same time, start practicing from the mundane. Start practicing. You get used to it. Now this afternoon, we're going to call on the name of the Lord. Do you want his hand upon you? Are you really serious? Are you really be- are ready to believe that he's going to call the shots in your life? Because that is the ramming rod of the old message. And believe you me, his thoughts unto you, they are good. His plans for you, they are glorious. Those that went before you, they are singing songs that God had been faithful. You're not going to be an exception. It might not look good now, but it will come out for us. It will come through for us. It will stand by us. And we shall be able to say, the hand of the Lord have made me to do exploit. You will do exploits. I say you will do exploits. And the hand of the Father shall remain upon you. That's a good time for us to lift up our hands as we stand on our feet and just cry unto the Most High God. With thanksgiving, first of all, there's a hand that is greater than the hand of nature. There's a hand that is greater than the hand of man. There's a hand that is greater than every hand. Is the hand of power. Is the hand of the Lord. Lift up your voices with me and say, Lord, we thank you. Oh, come on, bless the name of the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be adored. He said, the thoughts I think so was with their thoughts of peace and not thoughts of evil that might give you a future and a hope. Another version said that I might give you an expected end. Spend a moment or two and say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your hand is powerful. I thank you for your hand. By your hand, I shall do exploiter. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Give him praise in the house. Praise. Just get the Father's attention. Praise makes him to pour his heart of love towards you. He is faithful and true. The Lord God of Israel is his name. Give him honor. Give him praise. Give him adoration. Don't come before him without you bringing your sacrifice of praise. Don't come before him without you coming with confidence and with boldness that he has your back, he has you in plan, and he will fulfill and make to happen all his good plans and purposes for your life. Come on, give him praise in the house. Thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him like never before. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We have a God who never fails. We have a God who is the keeper of his people. Mighty is his name. Awesome is his name. Hallelujah.
In Jesus' mighty name, we have given thanks. Jesus' name, we have given thanks. Psalm 123, verse 2, we read it before. We're going to start by declaring that, and I believe that above all things, you have made your way right with God. You are a child of God. If you have not, at this moment, just pray that simple prayer, Lord, I release my heart unto you. Your hand won't build upon me for good if I'm not your child. You don't hug enemies and your opponents. It's only children you hug. So, Lord, I give my heart to you. Or if you want to pray, Lord, I've missed my way. Please, I return today. You've promised that there's no one that will come unto you that you will in any way cast away. I return to you today. Thank you for having me back. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. As many, O oh Lord, as I've cried to you this afternoon, hear them, O oh God. Save, I pray. Restore, I pray. And may we continue on this journey with strength and with power so that we may enter to the place that you have ordained for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. So together we can boldly then make a declaration as our first prayer point and say, Father, Father I declare in the name of Jesus that my eyes shall be on you and you only from this moment onward in the name of Jesus. Declare that, declare that. It's your own decision. The psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And you can say that as well. Don't look unto man. Man can fail you. Don't look unto any human being, no matter how powerful. Don't look unto an apostle. Don't look unto a prophet. Don't look to a bishop. Don't look up to a general overseer. Don't look up to a pastor. Don't look up to your father. Don't look up to your mother. Look at the hand of God. Look unto God. Don't look up unto your wife. Don't look up unto your husband. They may mean well, but they have not got the ability to help you as they would have loved to. But God is unrestrained. God is unlimited. Oh, cry out unto the Lord. Declare it. Lord, let this word ring. You alone will I look up to and you will make it happen for me. Thank you, eternal Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. You want to take the second prayer point and say, Father, please embolden me and clothe me with strength so that I may do exploits for you. In the name of Jesus. Father, please I call upon you that you embolden me. You will clothe me with strength today. Every form of fear, every form of weakness in my life, Lord, make up for them by your strength, O oh God. Embolden me. I receive boldness in the name that's above all names. Oh yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I release myself unto you like never before. Let your name be glorified in my life. Cry unto him right now. I'm sure boldness is going to be released upon somebody. I am confident in the Lord that somebody will walk in strength and in boldness more than he or she had ever done. Because the hand of the Father is in the house. The hand of the Father is ready to be laid upon you. As he was laid upon Elijah and he was bold, he confronted kings. As his hand was upon the apostles and they were bold and they preached the gospel. As the hand has been upon you sometime before and you are able to do something beyond your normal capability. 
and your, your normal ability. So the hand of the Lord will be upon you today. Lord, let your hand rest upon me in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jehovah God. In Jesus' marvelous name, we have prayed. And the hand of the Lord is resting upon you to embolden and to strengthen you. And you shall leap over a wall in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, that's what it for somebody. I say you will leap over a wall in the name of the Lord Jesus. Opposition walls are crumbling. In your spiritual life, opposition walls are crumbling. In your emotional and material life, opposition walls are crumbling in the name of the Lord Jesus. No more failure. Say no more failure. You will succeed and succeed beyond your imagination. In the name of the Lord Jesus. We'll take one more prayer and it's going to be a prayer of surrender. Going to cry that Lord, I surrender to you. And from now on, you will call the shots in my life. Is that clear? To help us to pray, I'll make it as a confessional prayer again, and then you will really dig into that and pray. You say, Father, I surrender all to you. Please, Lord, call the shot in my life. Call the shot in my life. Be in charge, be in control, rule every circumstance, oh God. Is the least risky option I have. There are many risky options outside there. The option of running the show myself. The option of depending upon human beings. But Lord, I've chosen the least risky option. And that option is that you will be the Lord of every section, of every department of my life. Cry unto the Lord right now. God's hand is resting on someone at this moment. It's resting on someone for healing. It's resting on someone for deliverance. It's resting on someone for elevation. It's resting on someone for progress and for exploits. Right now, right now. Oh Lord, your hand over our lives. Your hand over my life, oh God. Your hand, your hand, your hand, your hand, oh God. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, rock of our salvation. In Jesus' marvelous name we pray. This may be for just one person. And the word is that no more perennial failure. Just find out that you start something, you can almost guarantee yourself it will fail. But the Lord says, I should tell you no more. And the difference, what? Is his hand. That's the difference. It's not that you have not tried, you have tried. But one thing remains, that's the hand of the Lord. And so in the name that's above all names, I stand in agreement with you. I said that hand resting upon you shall never be lifted in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's why your first testimony shall be this week. You will wonder how, but it shall be this week in the name of the Lord. Because the Lord is going to open that door for you. He's been shut for too long. He's been shut for too long. He's been shut for too long. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted, O ye everlasting doors. And let the King of glory come in. Let the door unto that place of victory in Christ be opened to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Shall never be shut against you. 
God is repairing relationship this way. I'm hearing that in my heart. It's repairing relationships. Some relationships, humanly speaking, they've gone beyond repair. You know, there are some clothes you can't fix them anymore. You can't repair them. You need to change them. The Lord said this one is not for changing. It's for repairs. And in the name that's above all names, let it be repaired right now in the name of Jesus. Some of those relationships might be employee-employer. Some of them might be marital. Some of them might be parental. Some of them might just be filial, friends, or, or whatever it may be. But by the help of Jehovah God of Israel, there is repair work done this week in that relationship in the name of Jesus. And it is sorted in the name of the Lord. At this stage, God has done mighty things. And the only thing we need to do is to say thank you, Lord. Give him praise with me. Just thank you before I pray briefly for you. Give him honor. Give him majesty. The Lord is his name. Amen. We stand on your word, O oh Father. And your promise is that as the eyes of the servants are upon their masters and the hands of the maidens and the hands of their mistresses, so our eyes are upon you. Lord, we ask today, place your hand upon us. We're not seeking human hand, we are seeking your hand. The contact intervention, not the distant intervention. By the power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the hand that is upon us today shall wrought healing and deliverance in the name of Jesus. Shall do mighty works of salvation all around us in the name of Jesus. Shall set the captive free. Shall bring hope where there is hopelessness. Shall bring joy where there is sorrow. Lord, hear us this afternoon. The glory is yours. That's why on bended knees we've cried to you this afternoon. Do something special. Do something uncommon. Do something that is only divine. And let praise fill this house. Thank you once again, our Father. For you alone deserve the honor and glory. In Jesus' marvelous name, we are praying. Hallelujah. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.